Hi, I'm Chanel, digital marketing specialist, marketing coach, and owner of Ninky, a strategy and content marketing agency that helps businesses increase their online presence and build their brand community. If you're a marketing manager, CEO, or thriving business owner, this podcast is for you. Ninky Talks offers marketing tips, insights, and advice from industry professionals who know their sh**. If you dig the podcast, subscribe and share it. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, hello, and welcome to this episode of Ninky Talks. Today, I am talking to the very impressive Nicholas Mason. He is the head of behavioral marketing at Web Profits. Originally a surfer from Byron Bay, he spent his adult life working in Sydney and London as a strategist, digital marketer, and revenue creator. Now, I actually heard about Nick from another podcast that I listened to, and I thought, my gosh, this guy's super impressive. I need to I need to get him on my podcast, and I'm very grateful because here he is. Welcome, welcome, Nick. Thank you for being here. Wow, that is uh, an incredibly kind and, and, dare I say, too kind introduction, but uh, thank you for having me, Chanel. You're most, most welcome. I'm very much excited to pick your brain about all things behavioral science. So I'm going to get you to start off by just introducing yourself to the listeners. So just give us a little rundown about, you know, who you are and what your story is and and how you got to where you are today and how you help your your customers. Yes. Um, I mean, look, you might have heard a little bit um, about that on the other podcast you found me on, but um, and Chris is podcast but for the benefit of the new listeners um my background psychology uh, i fell ass backwards um into media and marketing which is a story unto itself but it's where i belong i've always been um commercially minded uh, i think after 10 years or the best part of within the wpp network um i hadn't got to use um my psychology training as much as i, I may have liked and also it wasn't always sort of relevant either I, I took a year off um you know did stereotypical things climb much a picture etc etc and through that uh, i'd like to say it was by design but uh, again it was asked backwards uh, i came across a study of behavioral science and um behavioral science is in, in quite incredible because it's not um a modality in it into its own right it is six different of the psychological modalities put together they are psychology social sciences anthropology uh, behavioral economics um, social psychology and neurobiology so it combines those six disciplines and, and puts a framework around them to make them actionable i.e takes it out of academia or, or takes it out of the clinical realms and gives business and marketers a heuristic to actually apply some of this stuff and you know of course and it's i think it's a bit like a pandora's box chanel once you see it and understand it i then by the way went and did a, a diploma in behavioral science and once you sort of see it and understand it almost every successful campaign almost every big brand almost almost absolutely anything apple you know ever do ever you just see uh, consumer psychology and behavioral science permeating its way through that um you know essentially well it's you know it is the art of leveraging human psychology to influence consumer decisions and and to do that we, we need to understand a few different types of those psychologies that i mentioned earlier 
So that's sort of how I uh, got into it. Um, and to be quite honest, through that that trip of 12 months, I, I wasn't sure that I would go back to being a marketer. Um, you know, I thought maybe I, I should be, um, you know, helping people out in a clinical capacity. But, you know, thank God I, I found behavioural science because it really renewed my vigour. It created an actionable framework that I, I dearly, dearly missed and, and probably last, but certainly not least, um, it created a scalable framework to understand why campaigns are successful, why others bomb, why some things go viral, why some brands grow 50% year on year consecutively, why others bomb. Uh, it created a connection point, uh, a sort of a, a, a clarity, I suppose, into the why. And once you understand not just what works or how things work, but why they work, then in, in my belief, well, you're number one, you have a heck of a lot of efficiencies, but, but you know, more importantly, you, you to some extent have a key to, for the most part, always run successful campaigns. It's easier said than done, but uh, that is what I believe is probably the, the most valuable promise of behavioural science. It is. And like, you know, I see clients and meet clients all the time and potential clients, and they're always asking the question, how can I make more sales or what platform should I be on or how much should I spend? I'm like, maybe you should ask yourself the question, do I know everything I could possibly know about my customers <laughs> or like what yes. their actual problems are? Like there's not enough of that inward reflection to say, you know, do I really understand my customer problem? Do I really understand their behavior? What behavior do they have and what behavioral shift am I trying to create? So I think a lot of brands are not asking themselves that question enough. And maybe it's because the concept of behavioral science just seems so overwhelming, but it seems it's it's really quite simple. If you want to run a successful campaign or 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 sell, then just make sure you really understand your customers. So what kind of process would you take an organization through to unpack that behavioral science piece? When where do you where do you even start? What questions do you ask? Yeah, look, great, great question. Um, to get meta on you. Um look, I and I think this is where the subjectivity comes in. Um you know, behavioral science is the science of human decision decision making, uh, and then you know, behavioral economics is is where it becomes pertinent to consumer. You know, being a consumer, buying things, um, that sort of stuff. I, I think you, you can't argue with it. it. It's pretty much fact, or as much fact as uh, a social science can ever really have. The application and identification of it is where there's a few different uh, methodologies. And, and to be quite frank, uh, in Australia, Chanel, there's really not many of us. Like in the UK, there's a heap. Uh, I don't know why. The state's index is really low as well. So for whatever reason, most people most of you know, people in this field seem to be uh, yeah, in the UK and Europe. So I haven't had as much opportunity to sort of perhaps peer review my processes as much as I would ideally like. So I don't know if it's the best, but it certainly works for, for us and our clients. Um, and there's there's sort of two parts of it. Um, there's the consumer insights piece. So, you know, number one, do you understand your customer? 
um, you know, are you able to, you know, if you're running surveys or, or running interviews, are you able to provide a, a, or, or apply a latent analysis and read into the subtext, the emotions underpinning that? Um, I, I think there's a, a fantastic quote by the seminal David Ogilvy, um, who I'm going I'm to end up butchering this, but I'm going to try my best to, to, to remember it. Uh, and uh, I think it, it really sums up uh, advertising and, and behavioral science in a lot of ways, which is people don't do what they say, say what they want, or know how they feel. I think that actually might have been right. I think that might be the I first time. I think you nailed I've it. Never heard of it, but sound sound like you bloody nailed it. Yeah, because you know, so I, I I absolutely believe that statement to be so sage, so poignant, and, and this is the inherent risks of, of a lot of research surveys, focus groups, uh, you know, things like that. There's something known as the Hawthorne effect uh, as to why people tell provide erroneous uh, answers. I think this is official statistics from Roy Morgan, who are the biggest in the game at this. Over 62.5% of interviewees lie in surveys. So clearly we need a better way to go about it. Um, we use um, interviews, one-to-one -one interviews, that is, and we use a style of questioning known as projective techniques, which is rooted in clinical psychology. Um, this cuts through the rational mind and creates an uninhibited, largely emotively driven conversation. If you do that about 15 times over with uh, you know, some of your better clients, you will understand them in a way that, and you know, I, I, this happens as my this is my day to day job or my team's day to day job. In any case, we can go in in one hundred percent of cases and tell a CEO that's been running his business for twenty years, or a chief marketing officer who's uh, you know been in a business for over a decade, a heck of a lot of stuff they did not know about their best customer. Mm. Never have we ever had a situation where they, that hasn't been the case. Um, so that so once you know that, you, you, well, once you you go through the work, and I am making this sound a lot shorter than it is, simply so as we can focus on punchy takeaways for your audience. Um, but and and obviously our time limits. But um, once you understand your your, your customers. Um, and you understand the fields of behavioral economics, behavioral science, you will be able to identify the cognitive biases that are inherent in them. And they essentially stand between you and your advertising message resonating with your customer because nobody's coming into anything as a blank slate. We all carry our own biases that influence our decision-making and we have to actually penetrate them before our advertising message even becomes visible. So that's one. The, the second more quick, or certainly uh, it's not great English, is it? Um, sort of uh, second way that is much more quickly to um, execute, but is less accurate, is um, there's about 350 cognitive biases or behavioral economics principles that exist in academia. Over the last eight years or so, I've painstakingly worked out which ones are relevant and which ones are irrelevant in a in a business and marketing um, perspective of course that's subjective there'd be many people that would disagree with my um, taxonomy but uh, in any case um, these are through my own or in my client's trial and error um, there's about 60 that I believe could be cycled for, for most businesses depending on the industry target audience with that 
and understanding the biases, you can um, basically use them in a broad strokes way to go, it's most likely that at least 40% of my customers are going to carry this, this, you know, bias. So, you know, that's a pretty large percentage. Um, or if you've already developed marketing personas, perhaps you can uh, identify biases by persona. Um, and we certainly do do that. Um, and with that in mind, you can start to go, okay, well, how am I going to cut through this bias with my social ads, with my Google ads, with my landing pages, with my website copy, my email marketing? These are all obviously online facilities. If you're talking about out of home ads or radio ads, like what's that headline that's just going to stop people in their tracks because they go, oh, this brand gets me because we we understand fundamentally what's actually going on in the depths of the brain underneath. Um, and wrapping this sort of section up, I think probably the best, again, yeah, mental shortcut that I can give your listeners, Chanel, um, is that of all the thoughts that we have, and this is a, this is a fact, only 5% of them are conscious. 95% of our thinking is conscious. And so that suggests that 95% of our purchases and decisions are at least rooted somewhere, some way in the subconscious. So these um, principles uh, provide us a method to access 95% of our thinking and arguably 95% of our consumer decision-making. So that, does that make sense, those two ways? It does make sense, yeah. And it is really quite fascinating Um that that statistic that you that you made um and i think the thing i really love about behavioral marketing is it seems um it seems very ethical to me as well so really taking responsibility as a marketer to say i genuinely want to help understand what the problem is and how we can solve it together or how my product or service can help you solve that and it's actually taking the steps to really make sure that you understand the the needs and wants and fears and frustrations of your um, potential customer before you sell to them. Because I think that there's a lot of brands that that almost disrespectfully sell um, without really actually understanding the behaviors of their potential customers. So for me, I really like the ethics behind investing in behavioral um, science as part of your marketing strategy. I think the biggest question I have for you, which I'm sure you're going to have um, a bit to say, about is is the introduction of AI. So in your opinion, is AI or how how will or how has AI impacted a brand's ability to understand human behavior? And will it help brands do better or do worse? Because I own a content marketing agency. And as you can imagine, we've had a rapid decline of uh, inquiries for things like blog articles and website copy because people just think they can do it on chat GPT. I actually received a phone call yesterday from a woman who said, oh, I tried to write my web copy on chat GPT, but it didn't give me what, what I wanted. And I said, well, of course it bloody didn't because you're getting a robot to do it, whereas you want your web copy to talk to humans. So in your opinion, how is the, the disruption of AI impacting behavioral science and is it impacting it in a good or bad way or both? Yeah, um, great question. Uh, and, and certainly I think the most pertinent uh, question and um, yeah, herein lies, uh, you know, the question, does it make us better or worse? <laughs> Look, the, the jury's still out, but I think without sort of being overly cryptic, I, I think it's both, right? I think, um, you know, what, it is very, very clear to 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 me, my team, my entire business actually, um, 
is that it's the quality of the output is based on the quality of the input, right? And we can bring that back to um, way before AI. Um, you know, the old adage that, the, you know, the quality of the work is only as good as the quality of the brief. Um, you know, so I think that is really, really true with um, with with AI. And, and certainly one of my biggest focuses this year has been really understanding prompt engineering, APA automatic prompt engineering uh, and chain of thought um, prompt chaining. Um, because basically on your first and second prompts, you're never going to get, um, you know, a really amazing result. Um, I also think that uh, in the case of your client, um, it requires a level of expertise to know whether it's good or not, right? And to be quite frank, um, Chanel, I am really concerned for our junior team members because, um, you know, they're the guys that are on the ground, on the tools, getting their hands dirty, writing the ads, optimizing, running the ads, running the content, you know, blah, blah, blah. And now they've got this tool that can that can do it for them, but they're not, or at least help them do it, but they're not at a stage where they're able to discern whether, say in your case, uh, you know, an SEO optimized blog, for example, um, is actually any good or not. Um, mm. Yes, they can well written from a grammar perspective, but you know, is it you know is it is it on brand? Is it meet? Um, is it positioned right? Uh, you know, all, all the sort of you know copywriting one hundred and one um, uh, things that they, they sort of I think are almost blindsided by the fact that it is such an incredible efficiency tool. It's almost all good, and and that is not the case. But to get back to your question more uh, accurately. I do think that if you have that expertise, um, that you know the difference between a good ad and a bad ad, and of course that's always subjective. We we let's you know none of us ever really know how anything's going to perform until it's released into the wild, and and so often I'm wrong. I think an ad will bomb, and it doesn't, and vice versa. So so you know we we never know with 100 percent accuracy. Um, however, the point being that I think from a behavioral science sense, but also from any uh, applied marketing perspective, if you can work out um, how to brief it properly, um, uh, a methodology that I use is I go, look, this is what I want you to do, like two sentences. Do you understand the brief? Like, you know, I want you to um, help me write some ads for XYZ brand that are rooted in, in behavioral science and are going to overcome some cognitive biases. Do you understand what I mean? Yes, I do. Okay, right. My brand is this, and I would, um, you know, give it the, you know, about us page, for example, copy and paste it into GPT. And this, by the way, I'm, I'm speaking specifically about OpenAI's chat GPT and GPT-4, because that's the tool that we're using the most. Um we do use a lot of other ones, but um, I think in the interest of time, that's the, mm. probably the most pertinent. Um, uh, I think, you know, if you can give it that, uh, give it that context, and then ideally um, give it some information about your target personas, and this should be both qualitative and quantitatively backed. Like, you know, I would never ever take a persona for gospel until, you know, you set up some targeting, say, through Meta, and it's actually worked. So you've got that qual and quant uh proof of concept um 
plug in some information about it, plug in some information, obviously that's going to include the pain points. And then I would tell it, and this actually, Chanel, is uh, I think you'll probably find it very useful for your agency uh, as well as for your clients uh, if you're not already doing it. Um, tell it to act as a PhD in whatever the field that you think is most relevant. So in my case, I'll say that you are a PhD in social sciences, majoring in behavioral science from um, University of Stanford. You are top in your game and you have worked in this industry, like say travel for 20 years. There's nobody better than you. With that in mind, I need you to, based on the type, the profiles that I've given you and what you know about our customer, sorry, what you know about our client, that's copying and pasting from the About Us page, list the top five from my list of 60, and I'll give it my list of 60, the top five cognitive biases per each persona. And it will go through and it will tell you. Now, at this point, unless you've, you're exper experienced in behavioral science, it would be very, very difficult for you to know whether it's right. But in my experience, if you follow that kind of three-step process, it's pretty right. It's right enough. It's right enough to test an ad anyway, because any ad until it's live is a test, right? Mm. Um also, you're always going to read through it. You know, some of them will just be off. Some of them actually, it kind of gets the principle wrong. So, you know, that's where I think it pays to know the difference. But look, let's say it's 60 to 80% right, which is about all you can ever hope for, um, you know, human or robot. Um, once it's clear on those, on those cognitive biases, I'll then ask it to write me ads per persona and just kind of do one persona at a time because obviously it has its word count limit. So... You know, I might go, right, well, I need you to write me 10 Google ads with this, you know, character, you know, character limit, headline and, and you know, 160 word body or whatever it is. I need you to write me, you know, several ads for, for meta with headline body copy plus suggest, uh, you know, an appropriate image or video piece of content to support it. You know, I need you to help me to write some native TikTok content. I need you to... Um, you know, help me to write a, a 1500 word SEO optimized blog for these keywords. It can actually, by the way, you can do keyword research through Bing um, now, which is awesome because um, GBT obviously isn't, uh, it was September 21, so it's not up to date. Um, email, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You get the point. So um, I think if you start to go more into that email content, uh, email marketing, you know, campaign series or, or long form blog content, you probably want to ask it to do one at a time because I, I think it's a, Two and a half thousand word limit uh, per response. But yeah, basically, if you follow that process, Chanel, I think it can knock out certainly not Dave, David Ogilvy level copy, but I think it can knock out good enough. Uh, and I think I think sometimes as marketers, I've been guilty of this. We, we, we carry, and constantly, we, we carry the curse of knowledge, which actually you forget that consumer doesn't really know much about you know, the industry that you're trying to fog them into, let alone the brand, even if they do, it's not salient, it's not mentally available. So, you know, and it's probably the bane of, it's certainly the bane of my existence. Sometimes those dumbed down ads are actually, and you know, I mean that with the, the as, as sort of non-bluntly as I possibly can, but it is the truth. Sometimes those dumbed down ads actually perform better. And so, with that fact in mind, I actually think, and I hate to say it for all of our purposes, it is entirely capable, if you know how to brief it and prompt it properly, 
of creating content that's ready to be published on behalf of our clients. Mm-hmm. I think um, for us, you know, we, we're we trying to figure out where we'll use it and how we'll use it and where we definitely won't use it. So I think for ads, most certainly, it I think it does a good job. But we actually ran a couple of tests where we wrote some blog articles and some web copy and our human written one performed a lot better. So I think from an agency, I've kind of held ChatGPT at arm's length to an extent because I'm not ready to like admit that it could take our jobs or my beautiful husband's job. Um, but so far we have run some tests and there are certain types of copy that are definitely best written by a human, particularly like strategic messaging, strategic copy. Um, so yes, yeah, so I think- by strategic copy. Yeah, like so like key messages, for example. So like when we write key messages for um, like we recently did a, pro- a project for KPMG um, and one of the things that they were really struggling with was to create these really impactful key messages for their most important customers. So t- being able to kind of distill, there's all these things that you want to tell people about how you can help them. Um, and I sort of talk about the could know, must know. There's like there's so many things you could tell somebody about how you can help them, but what are the things that they absolutely must know about how you can help them? So really helping yeah. to distill that messaging. And that takes, you know, you have to understand the psychology of the person and what their what their what their problems are. And then you've got to plug in the most important things about your service. Um, so we handcraft those and we do these massive strategy sessions and then we write them from scratch. So what I'm interested to see, um, because I was sort of thinking, how could I get ChatGP to do that when there's so much work that goes into the the, the strategy side of things? Um, so we're still kind of testing it to see um, how we will and won't use it. And then we'd love to actually publish our chat GPT policy, our internal policy on how we will and won't use it so that our clients know when they're getting something from us or when they're getting something that's actually not from us. Um, but yeah, Nick, it was such a pleasure to have you. Um, is there any tips that you'd like to give any of our listeners about how to get started with 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 kind of adopting behavioral science into their next campaign or into their brand before yeah. we sign off? Yeah, and by the way, I've just pushed the meeting back by by ten minutes because I appreciate I've, I've sort of spoken um quite a lot, and also want to say well done on being able to beat the robots. Um, that I, I hate to admit it, but our founder runs um a weekly email that goes out to we've got a database over thirty thousand, um, mainly sort of larger companies and marketing managers and it is a, an awesome revenue stream for us it's onboarded our, our biggest customers um and you know we, we we get average open rates average sort of industry open rates um the the chat gbt open rates are triple Ooh, i'm just about that, to launch our email this is a guy that's got over 20 so... years ex- this is a guy that's got over 20 years experience with an agency of 150 staff working with some of Australia's largest brands. So, you know, he's no, uh, you know, no dummy. Um, and that's, that's the inconvenient truth of it. But, you know, we, we've done it and perhaps you're a better writer than him so, or us. So well, well done, but we, we have like put a task force on understanding AI and really using it and the difference from where we sort of were and, and the first of December, um, to now uh, and the quality of the output that we're getting it, it, it's light and day it it, it, it really is um and, and i think with that in mind um how people that have had uh you know business owners marketers that have had 
little to to no uh, exposure to behavioral science i, I think the probably the best thing you can do is just start by familiarizing yourself with it you know ask um and it, it's quite good at doing this um you know tell gbt that you are wanting to learn about behavioral science and behavioral economics and that you would like it to train you on that and and so tell it okay i need you to imagine you are uh, you know university uh, you know phd at the university of stanford in social sciences and behavioral science behavioral economics and i want you to um you know to train me on um uh, what behavioral science is uh, and help me understand cognitive biases and, and give me one cognitive bias at a time and just sort of start to absorb them you probably don't need to go through through all of them so you know you could ask it for the the top 10 most common ones perhaps um in, in a marketing capacity and i think that's enough at least initially if you've got your top 10 um you know then you can at least go okay well that one kind of makes sense my industry and my target audience or oh, do you remember talking to a customer and they kind of said something like that or you know or whatever the case may be um with that in mind i think you can um then you know whether it's through your uh, you know it's with you Chanel it's with uh, themselves it's with their junior team or or it's with the robots um, I, I think you can then start to write uh, a creative brief um, that's vested in that particular principle and go look I think our customer has this this bias that they're carrying um, you know let let's say for example um, a, a super super common um, bias which is the sunk cost fallacy which is when we've invested time money and energy into things we overweight their value uh, simply because of that sort of investment we don't want to lose the the you know the time money uh, or energy that we've, we've put in but that then means that we often don't cut our losses and we keep you know flogging a, a dead horse and there's loads of examples of that you know people might be in subpar gyms that they don't even go to anymore they're they're you know still paying subscription fees you know any subscription fee really you know it might be that you know you've been with netflix forever because um that's just who you went with but actually stan has much better content for you now or you know we, we could go on and on with these um examples in short it's that your customer or in, yeah, in, is using an inferior product just because of the inertia that's been involved with kind of using that, and perhaps the perception that change will be uh, more difficult than than the reality, which is you know so often the case. Um, so you know, let's say we are using the sunk cost fallacy, uh, or we want to cut through the sunk cost fallacy. You can then again either with your own understanding of it. Um, uh, however you get it whether it's with gbt or it's just your own online research of course there's a heck of a lot of other resources online than gbt um the decision lab some guys out of canada uh, really unpack these biases uh, incredibly well i'm writing a book on it myself i also consult outside of my work with with web profits so there's all these ways in which you can you can understand it but um with armed with that understanding however way you go about it you just begin to write ads in, in the way that you normally would you build out your content calendars you build out frameworks for testing it you might be maybe testing two or three different of these principles of different ads to see sort of which cognitive bias is the most powerful or most influential perhaps in terms of decision making towards your product um and you know how you write those ads is up to you whether it's humans or whether it's just robots i don't, I don't think the process really 
really changes. Um, and then as you would would always do, I'm sure anyway, you you incorporate that into your your measurement frameworks, you know, your, your monthly reports or you, you know, your Google sheets, your supermetrics plugins, you know, your, your, your dashboards, all of that sort of stuff. However you're reporting on at the moment, you're really just adding in one extra sort of line item to that report, which is the the cognitive bias that you are overcoming and have integrated into your copy and and you know within a month or perhaps less or perhaps more depending on your budgets you'll um you'll, you'll have some pretty clear data as to whether your hypotheses around that principle was was right and or wrong and I think mm. you know as a benchmark you're just probably going to perform you know test its performance against your, your, your average campaign performance of it it's better and it, you can you know sort of go okay right well this bias is uh, inherent in my customer I, I should probably try and think of some more creative messaging that I can do around this bias or perhaps it, it bombs and it wasn't and, and then you go okay well maybe I've got that bias wrong what other possible biases could there be and you, and you try another one um, and, and sort of wrapping a bow on all of that I think as I've touched on at the beginning of this conversation around behavioral science creating scalable um, frameworks if you, you sort of, you know, and add bombs, right, and let's be honest, Chanel, so often you, you go, your team are going back to the drawing board and going, okay, what where do we start? What do we write next? Going back through strategy docs, trying to sort of, um, you know, find something that's a bit of inspiration. You know, sometimes maybe we're looking at the competitors. Um, this can, I think, give a more personalised method for, for drawing on that inspiration and going, okay, cool, well, we've got this, other cognitive bias let's say which we believe is inherent in our customer how can we write an ad that, that overcomes that and so it just narrows the the sort of focus mm -hmm. i think and, and creates a, a massive um yeah massive sort of efficiencies or economies of scale mm -hmm. so i think that's probably how um how i'd start identify the principle however you do it it's up to you write the ads in the same framework that you would always write them test them and measure them in the same way that you always would. I think that that's how you can go about it. Yeah, amazing. Thank you, Nick. That's super valuable. Please let us know um, how our listeners can get in touch with you. What's the best way to get in touch with you? Um, yeah, look, it, it's probably through um, at this stage, if it's, um, I think, yeah, if it's through uh, for a consulting capacity, um, you can contact me at X mason at gmail.com um is probably the best way you can catch me at linkedin uh i'm i'm just linkedin.com forward slash nicholas mason 31 they're probably two best ways brilliant thank you so much for your time nick you gave so much insightful knowledge and i can't wait to share this episode thank you for being here Pleasure. Nice to meet you, Chanel. And, Lovely uh, to meet you. Seriously, well done on everything you've achieved with your agency and beating the robots. No mean feat. <laughs> for now. For some things, for now. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode of Ninky Talks. If you did, please review and subscribe. See you next time.